0: G'day and welcome to the first episode of the Heston Russell podcast. This episode is with Sam Asser and is a good introduction because I go through and talk about where I'm currently at with my personal journey and talking about the next steps which include the leap into politics. Have a listen as we talk about values and the importance they are in my life and in life in general, personally and professionally. Leadership, how to recognize and unlock your own values, relationships and the importance of communication how I've gone through my life putting people on a pedestal, holding myself back, and now the self-actualization and realization of what needs to be done, including my own identity crisis and the steps along the way. Thank you for listening. And just remember, you can also listen to this podcast on any of your streaming platforms or watch it as a video at the Heston Russell YouTube. Always open your feedback, so please feel free to reach out to myself or any of the team by emailing hello at hestonrussell.com. Or follow along social media and primarily my Instagram is best for engagement at Heston Russell. Enjoy the episode. Well, G'day and welcome back to the podcast. And this is now the Heston Russell podcast and welcome my right hand lady, Sam Asa. How are you?
1: I'm good. Why is it called the Heston Russell podcast? I think it's
0: a bit of the journey to sense of self and self-discovery. As you know Sam was, Sam was there from right from the start for Voice of a Veteran and Voice of a Veteran started off as an identity I needed to provide me with comfort speaking out and now we're sort of at that point where we need to expand these conversations a lot wider because they affect more than just veterans and as I've sort of grown into my own confidence and sense of self um, and now taking on that task to grow wider as well it's now to start, you know, essentially taking a bit more responsibility and ownership for what I put out there, not, not hiding behind another label, I guess.
1: Love. And what can people expect differently from Voice of a Veteran podcast to Heston Russell podcast, if anything? Uh,
0: I think, again, just probably a bit of a wider scope of conversations. But if anything, even me potentially allowing myself to be a bit more vulnerable as well, um, as in not feeling like I have to hold up to – Uh, a veteran identity just having to hold up to my own identity and carry more responsibility as opposed to trying to put myself into a a profile that is more of a veteran profile if that makes sense
1: yeah I know like a lot of people who have listened to the podcast up until now have said things like they really like you and you know Scotty and uh, different speakers that have been on here authenticity and uh, vulnerability to actually let go of those identities a lot of the time and just share your humanness and where you're at yeah. Uh, so I think y- you guys have done that really well um, how do you think you want to do that ongoing is it going to be different when you say that you know you want to drop some identities
0: well I think the key part is and you know me even personally with my own growth into sexuality and everything else not wanting to be defined by any label and carrying those labels with me as responsibility um, but the only label I wear is that of Heston Russell and uh, you know that daily renewable contract, bound by my values, of which authenticity is a very key one there, and just to you know, not strive to be relevant based on a label or a title or a position or a circumstance, just just to be relevant based on who I am and what I do here and now.
1: Mm-hmm. We've spoken a lot about values recently. I think we should just jump straight in, to yeah, be honest. Sure. <laughs> um, but, w- yeah, what is why are values important to you in your life, in, in your career, in pre- personal, professional? Like, what what is values to you?
0: Well, values are that set of guiding principles by which you choose to adopt as essentially the, the bedrock and baseline of planning for everything that you do, everything that you do, everything that you say, and hopefully everything that you think, think in order to provide that uh, alignment Values have always had a very strong place uh, in my life, particularly in the military. Uh, You know, everything is bound by a set of values. When I joined the Defence Force, it was courage, initiative and teamwork. And then values and attributes were interchangeable when we were running the commando selection course. You're assessed against a number of commando attributes and those personal values. And it really comes down to establishing that identity of that person, like what you believe in, what motivates you, uh, what you use to guide your moral compass, and therefore how you're going to apply yourself into any situation, not just a precise situation. You know, values are that infinite mindset that regardless of whatever you're faced with, this is the set of guiding principles you're going to take into that situation. And again, in particular, the commando days of picking the right person that could achieve anything and needing to be adaptable and relevant to the situation – um, you know, if you don't have that ba- bedrock of values to go back to you're very often um, making it up as you go and we see a lot of that at the moment you know values are the bedrock and purpose is the capstone and there are so many different courses of action in between but if you aren't solid in who you are and what you stand for and what you believe in you know how you're never going to have a solid footing to then be able to reach all the way up to the top to achieve that purpose and that comes from my own lived experience you've heard me say about my time in the military the best version of me was with these guys in this picture behind me in 2012 and the values that i uh, that held me to be that accountable self and the best version of me were those that i took from service you know service itself responsibility discipline accountability leadership and then That two, two and a half years after I sort of did my own transition and got out and I actually ended up aligning myself to others' values and changed my values to take on what was around me to try and fit in, be more concerned with conforming, you know, those values I took on were selfish, you know, were not responsibility but entitlement, were not service but were self. And leadership became, you know, management and authority. So it's now just going back to appreciating that, you know, 2012 wasn't the best version of me they were the best values that actually were me and it's now grabbing those same values and just simply applying them to everything that happens today and ever forward.
1: Yeah that's cool and going into your values recently do you think there have been the same of when you've been your best version of you were your values the same as they are today or if you as as you've reassessed and kind of did a bit of an inventory. Do you think that now knowing what your values are today has made you change course in where you're
0: going? I think speaking into them and making them, you know, just speaking them myself, you know, and putting the word into or the words into what my beliefs are and actually defining that value. And while it may seem just simply an academic exercise, it's, oh, you know, me. words have meaning. And I think too often in today's world and particularly today's society, Words too often lose their meaning and you know, if it's only five words that are your five values but each of those words means something very specific to you, then going through that exercise of articulating and recording and quantifying your values is really really enlightening because first and foremost, if we can't hold ourselves accountable or if we can't provide ourselves with our own vision for our own lives, then we're not really getting anywhere near the starting block that we need to achieve high performance let alone anything else above that. So I think my my values have probably been the same values, I just haven't fully embraced or quantified or recorded or put a word into what they are and now, as you know, taking the chance to do that and, you know, it's rails, so my, my values now and I've even put them on my social media account and I do that for myself, um, also I do that potentially seeking further accountability as well, so... Rails, responsibility, authenticity, integrity, leadership, and service. And even just playing with those words, you know, there's no accountability in there, but responsibility and leadership has implied accountability in there. And to answer your question beforehand, if they were the same values, you know, the word authenticity didn't mean anything to me back in the day. It sounded like a soft, woke word and all of this. But authenticity just simply means, you know, doing something because it's what want to do or what you need to do you're not lying to yourself it's not the same as integrity i can be an authentic liar but authenticity is am i doing this for the right reasons am i being my true and authentic self and i think particularly that word draws great meaning for me these days and same as that responsibility piece and that's why i put it there first you know with all the work we've done this last year and a bit in the veteran community so many of the conversations i have come down to trying to break through this um, perpetual cycle of entitlement versus responsibility particularly dealing with so many people with trauma so many people become defined by that trauma and become like i was when i went through my spiral last year with dva entitled you know this is what i deserve this is what you tell me you're going to give me i'm not telling you i want it you're telling me you're going to give it to me therefore i deserve this you know as opposed to you know what is my responsibility? What am I responsible for? And a large part of that is I'm responsible for solving my own problems. I'm responsible for not relying on others to quantify my self-worth or my community worth. Um, integrity goes on its own. You know, if we're, if we're not showing integrity um, to ourselves, first and foremost, let alone to others, then you know nothing like trust or respect can ever foster from that. And again, you're lying to yourself and you're undermining your authenticity, which is that beforehand. And then leadership, and leadership is a big one here because it's not being a leader, it's leadership. It's understanding and knowing how to motivate people through inspiration, how to inspire people. But first and foremost, it's about leading by example. So if you are responsible, being authentic and acting with integrity, then you are already leading by example. And the key part for that is also the last part, service, being a servant leader. You know, I've been in a position where I enjoyed being a leader, I enjoyed being in charge, I enjoyed being able to make the decisions. But time and time again, my life has showed me that the art of being a good leader is knowing how and when to be a good follower. And you don't need to be in charge to be a good leader. Those who think they need to be in charge to be a good leader are those who actually rely on authority. And as we've said before, some of the most toxic and destructive leaders around. Leadership is just understanding people that people need to be individually aligned with purpose, they need to feel valued and they will operate so much better when you provide them with initiative and inspire them, motivate them through inspiration as opposed to through fear and control. So as you've heard me say, they're the rails. My values are my rails and when I go off the rails, that is when I'm not abiding by one of those values and it might not be for everyone but I need something particularly when there's no one else around, when there's no media around, when there's no one providing me with any form of affirmation or feedback outside of me, myself, in the mirror, and Copper, my little dog, then I need to refer back to those rails. And every time I open up my social media account, there it is in my bio. It's here on the whiteboard. It's something that helps me just make sure that I am living um, to, towards the best version of myself, if not in the best version of myself.
1: Mm. Brene Brown is someone who talks about values a lot. And Love her. I... Um, Really like how she, I I like what you said around words have lost meaning. Like, words are meaningful and have lost meaning. So, people just throw words around like all the time. But she talks about knowing your value and then understanding what it means to live within your value and then outside of your your value. So, she has an exercise. um, If people are interested, it's in Dare to Lead the book. But essentially, you go through a whole bunch of words, you know, you chunk down to your core five or three or whatever you want to do and then you go into those values and you go cool like authenticity what does it look like like what actions would i take in my life in order to be authentic and what would it look like if i was no longer being authentic and what actions would i take and then you go to someone that you trust or a friend and you go cool this is this is what that looks like so you get to now hold me accountable for any times that you see me slip beneath my values or you know like, and I think we've kind of been doing that a bit at the moment of like, hey, I'm really seeing you in your values and that's awesome because I'm seeing this. And then, hey, you're off the rails here because I'm seeing this. Yeah. I think it's cool to have people in your life that understand it as well, because A, it helps you articulate where you're coming from and get the feedback that you need. And then B, it's helping someone keep you accountable to be that.
0: Well, accountability is it. And, uh, you know, it's actually the, the importance of words is such a, a military thing. Um, you know, you always have to give a mission statement you know, we are going to do this. You have to always give a mission task verb, be that, you know, destroy, capture, neutralise, suppress. And these are also combat effects you have to provide to people who are supporting you. You know, I want that target neutralised or destroyed. And each of those words would actually um, dictate a certain number of, be that casualties or a certain result that had to actually be achieved on the ground. So, you know, if you're going to say that I'm going to seize a piece of ground, That means that you fully control it and people can't come in and access it. If it means you're going to clear a piece of ground, it means you're going to clear it, but it means it's not secure after you've been through there. And these simple words actually painted a whole picture. And given the unique nature of how you had to be so clear and efficient in the communications, like you really fussed over every single word. And I used to love that. And now, I mean, you know me, I can use a thousand words to... Out of fire these days, but it's getting back to that and really drilling into the meaning of those words. And you touched on a great point there about um, values and being valued, because you know these are my values that help me be the best version of myself, regardless of the situation. And as a part of that, you know that's that self awareness and that situational awareness. It's coming down to we've spoken about before your love language, how you feel valued, and you know the way I feel valued and practice being valued is through acts of service and that's why that last value of mine is service and the way in which I feel love and that's literally gone through a change in the last year where it used to be affirmation it was words of affirmation is now quality time you know having people around me who are just there to be around me and having people around me who know and understand my values and will tell me when I've gone off the rails (laughs) Or help keep me on the rails, you know, that's why I've got... Who, me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not looking at anyone in particular. So, it's, I mean, those are those two little really key um, personal self-discovery pieces is quantifying your values and quantifying how you feel valued. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's your love language, Sam?
1: Mine is the same. So, I'm, um, I show it via acts of service mm-hmm. and I receive it through quality time.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if anyone's jumping onto this podcast now, we've spoken about this beforehand. It comes from the book, The Five Love Languages. used to read it back in the days of running the selection course. You replace the word love with the word valued, and it is simply understanding how individuals feel valued in what circumstances. And it's not something to be touchy-feely woke about. It's something to harness and appreciate that everyone is regulated by emotions and your ability to take that extra measure to understand the emotional intelligence of those around you. And then actually be able to put into measures in practice to show that you actually know how to connect with them in that regard is how you actually motivate and inspire people further intrinsically, um, let alone um, just simply recognizing for the fact that you are taking the time to do so. And that could be relationships, that can be Mm -hmm. business ventures, that can be just friendships. Um, This is literally one of the key practices I now put into place and I know you do as well.
1: Yeah, understanding people. Um also so if somebody's listening and they're like cool I want to know my values or get to know what that is what process did you go through to unlock them or discover them or write the five out like do you have do you have a way in which you would suggest for people
0: Yeah I think uh, you know well you know me I carry around my phone and put constant notes in my phone and I just found found myself particularly as we're setting up you know and we'll talk about the later the Australian values party where we sit there and you know have a look at those values that we aspire to live within those values that we aspire to um, demonstrate ourselves you know, looking and listening and just identifying those words that resonate with you and having a deep down look at hey you know if I was operating in a perfect environment that I felt happy I felt productive I felt safe and I felt authentic I was able to feel my authentic self what, w- what would that be like and what would those around me be demonstrating and how would I feel and also, you know, what do I need to motivate myself? You know, I need, to, I need to be responsible. I need to be responsible. And first things first, I need to be responsible for myself. But what inspires me the greatest is being able to um, put into practice leadership. And sometimes, again, that's leadership of myself, but that's caring and supporting others and appreciating the emotional, the emotional value of others. Uh, it's sort of really helping to define the parameters whereby, for me, it was actually looking back and seeing where was that time where I was the best version of myself or felt like the best version of myself, how was I conducting myself? What are some of the key values I can take away from that or key attributes and then starting to put them together? And for me, that was easy looking back at that unique period, going from a high to a low and building myself back up again. But the key thing I will say is that your values have to be an evolving list. You can't just write your values as a plan and say these are the values for the rest of my life. Your values may change. Life changes. Purpose changes. We've spoken about all this beforehand. You know, at least once a year revising your values. Once every three months revising your values. As you enter into a new relationship, communicating what your values are. You know, this, it. <laughs> I'm not all about putting formal structures around things, but the one thing I've learned from my very naive time, even in friendships let alone relationships is if you know you were able to enter into a new friendship a new workplace a new romantic relationship with the understanding of what your values are and how you feel valued and you're able to have an open and honest conversation about that (laughs) imagine how much of a jump start you get into things and not doing it from a place of entitlement this is me this is what I need but a place of understanding and responsibility. You know, this is me being open up front and communicating with you. Mm. Hey,
1: I would agree. Like yeah. I would even go a step further. <laughs> I To give you an example, housemates that I lived with last year, we sat around a table and we're like, cool, what, what's our values of living together? Like, what does that look like? So it's even in like those things of having joint values, if you're entering into relationships, friendships or whatever, like what does this look like for us? Like what do we value together and how do we live within that so that we're both happy and understanding my own independent values, understanding yours and then then looking at what it means to be able to co-create in a way that's going to be really magical or powerful. And I think communication and just understanding each other is so under underrated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Communication honesty were other values that I tried to play with. But, you know, if I'm being my authentic self and acting with responsibility and, and demonstrating leadership, I'm already doing those things because one of the key and critical components of leadership is communication. Mm-hmm. And that's not just talking. You know, leadership is actually listening and learning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And communication is so key. And as you know, my sort of story with my last relationship, I was so off the rails it wasn't mm-hmm. funny. But most of that was just me not living my authentic self and, and demonstrating my values. It was me adopting other values because I thought that's what someone else wanted. And even with that, going back to tracing, when I was the happiest version of myself, you know, living with Blake in the US in 2017 for a period, it was actually because I was just living my true and authentic life. I then sort of started to adopt um, this uh, persona. I started to adopt these values that I thought I needed to as I started to build myself into this new identity as opposed to appreciating the identity I already had.
1: Mm. And I love a good reverse engineer. And I think that's what we looked at when we were looking at your values of when you were at your low, you call it, Yeah. what were, how were you living? And we kind of documented them Yeah. and then to your best version. And then what's the bridge of who you are today and what you want to actually, who you actually want to be. And then I think that's how we got them. So f- for other people who are listening, um, who are going, I have no idea where to start with my values. Like, you know, look at that, like look at where you've been at your worst and what you were kind of demonstrating and then at your best and then I think you can kind of find a way, I don't know if you agree, a way in which you can kind of demonstrate what you are today.
0: Well, that's that accountability piece. Like you said, we wrote a list, as I said before, responsible, entitled, selfish, uh, sorry, selfless, selfish, you know, leadership, authoritative. This is the list over here that lets me know straight away Mm -hmm. that I'm acting outside of my values and I'm going off the rails. So it's very important to quantify the bookends because otherwise what unit of measure do you have to help you facilitate being accountable?
1: Yeah. And then Dr. Martini he has an incredible exercise you can go through to actually make sure, this is really good, that your values that you say and you write on the piece of paper are actually in alignment with how you're living your life. Because often we're like, yes, like I value family but yet you're – like spending all of your time in your career and you're never home and you miss all of the events. Um, and so that might be a cause as to why you're actually really unhappy in your life because you're not actually living within your values. So he has some incredible information on, on what that is.
0: Absolutely. Have a listen to uh, Sam's The Inner Experience podcast. She does an actually an interview with Dr. D. Martini, and I listened to that just the other week where he spoke about, I think he had some beautiful South American um, girlfriend and he talked about, you know, adopting her values and trying to adapt his values to suit what he thought she wanted him to be. It is a fascinating conversation and I would dare anyone to listen to that and not be able to immediately identify where they've done that in their own life. Mm,
1: Yep, putting people on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And I
0: mean, that's also lovely you you picked that up, putting people on a pedestal and making a subordinate to others. That has been a huge part. This last week I attended a course down in um, Corumban the uh, PTSD Resurrected course run by Andy Cullen and the team, the Reboot course, and it was fantastic. And there were some people in that course with you know some really extreme trauma and um, it was fantastic to sit there and go through the experiences and uh, understand a lot of the um, tools and key takeaways, not only to work through that course but to apply to ongoing and everyday life. And a large part of that uh, involved forgiveness, but also just sort of identifying those behaviours, Uh, that we start to go through be they even sort of mental behaviors and habits and a big part for me was um, if you heard me say uh, wouldn't it be so terrible if you realize that you're the only person holding yourself back and that comes from this place of always usually and it might be an indoctrination piece from military or whatever but putting others on pedestals and making myself subordinate to them and that's sort of been this journey over this last year from voice of a veteran vsf now going into politics you know each one of those was actually a a false crest or each one of those has been a climb up a hill and you know thinking that you know this is as far as I can go and it's not from personal progression it's actually from from what I can achieve to serve and support others and then every single time you sort of get to that top of the hill it's actually a false crest and the next one is there in front of you and it's all of a sudden you're sort of realizing oh well well I've got to this hill and I've been building this hill and you know it would look silly if i moved on to the next thing without you know just stabilizing myself here but then it's like well why are you doing things what's your purpose Mm -hmm. you know and for me that's the purpose of service and being responsible and supporting the community and all that good stuff and then the next hill the next hill the next hill let's drop things don't worry about that and uh it's been fascinating to and you always put yourself you think like you know the system the system can do this you know the government can do this you know there are all these other big people in these big positions doing this, and I'm still yet to, over the last 18 months at least, let alone my entire military career, uh, find the time Then, we, if you put in the prior planning and preparation and do it for the right reason, you're not able to achieve anything. Mm. Um, and to date, we sort of have that track record, working with so many on so many different causes, just appreciating if you sit back and allow others and expect others to do something, you know, it might not get done. That's very completely different from delegating and collaborating and doing all that but if you're relying on the system or relying on the government or relying someone else to do it then you are removing the possibility of that actually occurring you are abdicating that power to something you don't have control to and for me it was bringing down these pedestals and appreciating everyone is human everyone is human everyone should have a set of values everyone has a way in which they feel and show value but everyone is human and while we build systems systems are built on people and taking the time to first and foremost understand the one person you should know the most about and that's yourself in your life mastering self-awareness and then learning and understanding situational awareness those around you you then actually have the best tools to apply to any and every circumstance because the most uncertain thing about anything in this world is life and what can come the next day and trying to hold on to the certainty that someone else, just because it's their job, is going to do it, that's great. But I don't know about you, but the world we're living in at the moment, the country we're living at the moment, is completely void of one key thing, and that's accountability. Mm. You know, at the moment, we're still cracking on so hard with VSF, and for the last nearly two months now, we've been supporting families who are still um, separated in Afghanistan. We've been sending so many emails to the delegated points of contact in government, In the meantime, while we've been actually engaging with and supporting these people and no-one has reached out to provide them with an even-a-response, and you've seen some of those stories, Sam, they're harrowing. You know, we've had people literally developing into suicidal behaviours because they are not receiving any communications back from the Department of Home Affairs, the Department of Foreign Affairs, the Department of Defence. We've provided these contributions to this upcoming Senate committee inquiry, um, which Jackie Lambie and the team have put together, But you sort of sit here going, you know, great, what's going to happen? Is someone going to get fired? Is there going to be someone standing up and saying, hey, I stuffed up? Or is there just going to be more rhetoric and spin and moving on to the next thing? And there'll be a great report that comes out from the Senate inquiry, but what is going to happen? And I pray that that's not it. And I know that people like Jackie Lambie and many others in there that we've been working with will, will definitely look to hold accountability. But... When the, the people that are in the key positions of power and have the majority aren't exercising accountability, then what hope is there for anyone else down all the way to those individuals trying to practice that as a value if they don't see and are inspired by that at the top levels? And then... I mean, that goes into this other conversation. though we've already gone straight down into politics very quickly. But, I mean, let, make sure we come back to that, Sam, and talk about that. You know, politics... I, I never... <laughs> Throughout my military career, I never, ever, ever paid any attention to politics. Uh, you know, it was just like, look, ours is just to do or die, not to ask why, or however that saying goes. And I didn't really care. Um, you know, you listen to big parties, this, you know, what's my mate voting for, all that sort of stuff. But politics is our life. And it's, the issue is that politics just has such a dirty word. You know, as you know, we need to replace the word politics with the word leadership, <laughs> because these are the people making decisions for our country. And everyone's sort of saying, you know, oh, well, that's the game, that's politics. It's like, well, that's whatever you allow it to be. I refuse to allow people to tell me that's the way it is, especially if it's not working. And so already within this game, what we're seeing is people trying to set up things like this um, ICAC, this Accountability Commission, and calls for accountability and this, that and the other. But I sit there going, you know, if you are the elected leaders of our country and you still need to outsource accountability to another organisation, what hope is there for any of us? If you can't sit there and affix accountability to those who are responsible, why the hell do we need to spend more taxpayers' money on a separate entity to do that? Particularly at the moment when all we see is abuse of power by bureaucrats left, right and centre, as we have... I was on the Gold Coast on the weekend and went down and had a look at the, the barricade border between those in Queensland and New South Wales there at Tweed. Like, it just defies logic you can literally sit there across the barricade and have dinner and make out with each other but you can't cross into the state like it just the lunacy of these decisions going on and not based on anything to do with the pandemic but based on control and based on authority and based on feeling like you have to make the decision and you can't change that decision because that's a sign of weakness as opposed to a change in circumstances so for me you know, the, the huge things that are wearing away at me at the moment are this lack of accountability, which comes from a lack of leadership. It comes from leading through authority and feeling like you need to be the one making the decisions or being in charge as opposed to appreciating that most leaders are there to support and reinforce the team. And the true time when leaders showing leadership step forward is actually when there is failure. Is actually when there is crisis, is actually when there is responsibility to be had. It's not standing forward and taking the medals for everyone else, it's making sure everyone else has a medal before you have yours. And it's stepping forward when someone says, WTF, who's responsible for this? That's me. Way off topic.
1: <laughs> actually, can I pull something out that you said mm-hmm. just for. Um sake of i don't know heated conversation um <laughs> he did Nah, he no. Nah, i'm sure it's fine but there's a quote um that i'm sure i'll butcher and i'm sure i'll butcher his name too La- lasu um he says that the government is a reflection of the people and i like what you said around outsourcing accountability um so my, i guess my question is to you is like do you think we as a people need to be the ones that step up first to a to be accountable to ourselves, those around us, take our own leadership, step forward, step up in a way that we believe we need to in order to see change happen from the top down.
0: Absolutely. I mean this is just the state that we've got to with this toxic political environment whereby our politicians don't represent our people. Our politicians represent whoever the party chooses to represent our people. And as you've heard me on the podcast with Julie Gillard and Tony Abbott, the party doesn't even take the time to prepare them to be the best leaders and the best team members and those acting with responsibility. It spends all its time training them in media awareness. (laughs) You know, we've got so many people who don't have actual lived experience in politics at the moment. They come from professionally groomed progressions through political parties. We have some fantastic people in there as well, but so many of them are hamstrung by the parties, and you've heard me talk about that. But even in going to set up the Australian Values Party, which we are in at the moment... You know, you've seen so many people coming out and saying, oh, you know, setting up a political party, you know, that's too big. This, you should just join with this, all this. So many of us are conditioned to what I've been conditioned for for so long and putting other things on pedestals and thinking that we can't do things and holding ourselves back. And I'm not going to say you can go out there and achieve anything in the world. Like, I can't fly. I wish I could fly. But when it comes down to being able to, as in without a plane, like literally Superman style, but when it comes down to you know, being held back by something because you think the organisation or the institution is too big for you, Like, why not try? You know, I would prefer to fail trying than spend the next three years or three and a half years crushing myself with thinking what if? Mm. And I had something I wanted to say there. It completely jumped out of my head.
1: But uh, accountability and taking, you know, accountability and leadership for yourself as a sovereign being doesn't mean you have to step into politics right no
0: i mean and that's the saddest part of the moment is you know politics is such a dirty word that you even saw as soon as we announced as soon as i announced my intent to give politics a crack um you know we had people f- running away left front and center and you know some of them had to do so because they're worried about the impact on their their business you know because to be seen to be aligned to politics can potentially come with reprisals it could potentially come with non-preferential treatment or preferential treatment or you know people are afraid that politics is one of those things that's too much of a confrontational um, issue and therefore might detract from them in their own work or them in their own life and like that's a such a for me that's such a sad state of play because politics and politicians and the political systems that makes the laws by which we live by so if it is such a dirty word that in being associated with politics or people wanting to go with politics then that is like a red flag that we need to change that situation i've said beforehand how sad it is that so many you know i don't know many young kids i don't know myself looking up into parliament and the senate the people that are leading our nation going you know i want to be like that person it's so hard to find authentic leadership qualities all you hear is words and You and I and the team have seen such a lack of action and follow-through. We've seen commentary and conversations had on the media with zero follow-through. You know, box-ticking in opinion polls, but zero action on the ground. So for me, there's a piece here of like, you know, you need to stand by your word. We need to try and bring back some form of respect, some form of aspiration into our political system you know we want people to say hey you know thinking about running for politics fantastic all right let's try and make you the best candidate we can be this goes into this whole part that i've been talking about this last week at a couple of presentations during the veterans health week stuff sam and this is this toxic competitiveness one of the biggest realizations i've had in this last month and having a look at those who um you know even some of our friends in politics that i've worked with have really you know shut the door and have seen this as a an adversary now in competition. For me, the end state is having more good people in politics who have lived experience in leadership, planning, teamwork, and are there for the true and authentic purpose that is supporting the Australian people, not personal progression or profit or party politics. So for me, I want politics to be a whole bunch of athletes in their prime, lining up. On the 100 meter blocks at the start of a race taking their mark and sprinting and running their very best race and actually being motivated and inspired and challenged by those coming up on the left and right shoulders winning because you are the best not simply because you are better than someone else because what is going on at the moment is with that toxic competitive focus of you just simply need to be better than the next person if we want to put that into that same visualization we currently have people our our politicians lining up on the starting block and as soon as that gun fires, they are tripping and pushing and kneecapping each other so as it's the last person who limps over the line. You talk to so many people out there going, you know, voting for the lesser of two evils or who's going to be, you know, the better of the duds. These aren't my words, these are others. But imagine, you know, the satisfaction of losing a race to someone who was better knowing that you had performed to the best of your ability. That is where we should be at. We want competition that forces us to perform to our best for the right reasons. And the amazing thing about elections is that every single Australian gets to demonstrate their opinion. As opposed to sitting behind keyboards and having a crack, they have to get out there or get (laughs) fined. And cast a vote and you actually get to see first and foremost the true and authentic feedback from the Australian people. And while we continue to perpetuate this system that is you just simply need to be better than the other person or the other party and you can go about any actions you want to to undercut and undermine them. That for me is the exact behaviour that I remember back at high school when I was bullied, when I was... I hated that time. When I started to develop this mindset mentality of trying to take on those attributes of those around me that I saw having more fun than me because I hated what I was going through. As opposed to, you know, no, I need to work on me and what is the best version of me being true to my values, not in comparison to others. This toxic competitiveness comes from this place of comparison. As opposed to, working and collaborating with each other to provide the best outcome and being competitive to make sure that you are on the top of your game. And this last month has really helped me realise that because that is what it was in Special Forces. That is what it was even joining into the Army. There was a pass measure that you needed for everything from the individual fitness through to psychological scoring it wasn't in comparison to others it was you were met the grade or you weren't when we ran the commando selection course there were the attributes and the scores and some of the physical achievements you needed to achieve and there were pass fail rates for everything but we went into that course starting with a panel of 120 people and if 120 people met that standard we would have taken 120 people you don't get to the end and say, oh, we've got a quota, you know, let's start knocking off those who, weren't, who were not at the standard but weren't as good as anyone else. No. Like, there's always a natural bell curve in the way in which people have achieved higher performance, but it's coming down to achieving the performance based on your own individual actions. And the best part about the commando section as well, then the additional part came to, down to how well you work together with each other to help each other achieve that standard as well because you were training and selecting people to not only achieve one mission be that Afghanistan or Iraq or domestic counterterrorism what we were doing is to be there and ready to pivot on a dime to face any mission that came about and that came down to picking the right people
1: so you couldn't trip people up is what you're saying
0: no you could and you know <laughs> what and those who did trip people up were those that were cast out straight away because i'm still yet to find something in life apart from loving yourself that you don't need others to support you with or that you don't achieve a greater outcome with not working with others. That teamwork piece is so key to this. And as we continue, and this this is even in the veteran space at the moment, we keep trying to talk about collaboration, not competition, but it comes from this place of insecurity or thinking that, you know, others performing better than you is a bad thing. There is always going to be someone out there that's usually performing better than you. But sometimes it might just come down to being on the day who performs best. And I have lived for so long putting myself in a box, putting others on a pedestal, holding myself back. But I think you even heard in that um, podcast I did with Ian Thorpe, he was a, a key part in helping to unlock that piece for me. It's like, you know, going out there, it came down to me, swimming my, him swimming his own race. And he could feel how he was performing. He would see his time at the top. It didn't matter if he won. It came down to what he knew his performance was. And that's incredible. And that comes from that place of self, sense of self and self-security. And then allowing yourself to be further inspired and motivated by those circumstances around you, like competitors, like those who are looking to you to succeed, like those who will be inspired by your actions. That's that difference between that high performance and elite. It all comes down to that motivation through inspiration.
1: Mm. And it's perspective too, right? Like I know I'm at a point in my life where I'm trying to surround myself with people who can um, inspire me to be my better better version of me. Like instead of um, being a big fish in a small pond, it's like how do I be a small fish in a bigger pond? Because I want to be inspired into greatness even more so. And so instead of um, what you were saying, like we – you know, we don't want to we don't want to see people succeed or we don't want to, like, you know, be in that race and cheer them on as well. We want to be better than them. Yep. But if you surround yourself with people who are epic and in that elite category, then should that not inspire you to, like, want to be better within yourself opposed to, like, ah, oh, damn them, like, I just want to pull them back down?
0: Well, it's allowing yourself to be inspired, you know. We would all know it. Anyone listening to this, sit at home and you, know, you watch – someone achieves something on TV and who in your family member says, oh, you know, that's not that good or I could do this or we, we constantly go to a place of comparison and it usually comes from a place of trying to comfort ourselves, you know, as opposed to allowing us to say, hey, you know, that was amazing. You know, that's why I particularly love times like the Olympics and things like that when you actually see those genuine humble champions rise and those who don't rise to the very top but, you know, lose an event so gracefully you know, when you just oh, my favorite is seeing someone who, you know, doesn't make the podium, but their outlook is not just like oh, you know, better luck next time, rah 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 rah. They're like, hey, you know, I ran my very best race, and I was beaten by better people. Like that is inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, I know what I need to go away and work on, and that's. A, but it's even more inspiring when you see them come back. You know, when I'm, you watch and you see athletes like, oh, you know, you had a, an injury coming into this and, you know, this has been going on this has been going on. It's like, you know, everyone has a story and your story is so important and it's very important to work through those things. But, like, the context is for those people watching at home who are going to take away those young kids' potential inspiration from the way you're acting.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And also, like, they're, they're in it. They're in the game. They're not the ones sitting at home being like, oh, I can do better. It's like, cool, you're not there, are you?
0: <laughs> but, I mean, this is and, – and so much of this, so that tall poppy-cutting syndrome – Society we have in Australia, I've just realised it's just a cutting syndrome. It's this toxic competitiveness. If someone's seen to be excelling, our default at the moment is to sort of cut them down. And where I want to try and break that cycle, wherever possible, is one leading by example to make sure I don't do that in this next political campaign piece. But also, that's the entire way our current system is geared. I mean, at the moment, our entire society is just full of negativity and people are in fight or flight responses and people are ready to attack and be confrontational. I mean, social media. Uh, for the first time that I've ever truly noticed it is one of the most toxic places in the world Um, it's so nice to find those little safe havens like our VSF support group and I just go on there um, to be uh, you know inspired by some of the goodness and kindness out there but I know I mean you've even gone off social media and it's just a how's that
1: liberating (laughs) that was the (laughs) word I was about to say it really
0: is Mm -hmm. turning off the tv turning off social media getting out and about is just absolutely liberating. It's
1: an addiction though, right? Like I spent the first two weeks of not being Well, it's being that on relevance
0: it. question. Yeah. People don't it's feel relevant if they don't know what's going on. Right. In well, other people's no, lives. No, mine
1: wasn't even that. Like I don't even really mind. Like, But mine was my like my thumb literally would open my phone and like, just be on its own like little adventure of finding the apps and I'm like where are the apps where are the apps like it was just like on autopilot of like whoa this awareness around this is what I actually do like and at any point you're like standing there and instead of being present in the moment or concentrating on something that you're doing it's like this habit of like I just flick my phone open yeah. and go to the apps and they're not there and it's really weird and so I took like it probably took two to three weeks of getting rid of that actual habit and replacing it with not needing to reach for my phone and just being a bit more present. Yeah. So like, there's this journey that it takes you on and I'm almost two months now. And it's like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't even think about it. And like the, the self-doubt, the comparison, the imposter syndrome, all those things that you experience based on what social media can deliver. I know there's lots of pros, but there is lots, lots of cons too. Is has gone. Like I don't have yeah. that like low grade anxiety that just sits there. It's so good.
0: Oh, I hear you 100%. And it's been fascinating because you can actually see that you very easily transition into deeper and meaningful conversations. And that's not, you know, deeper, meaningful, give me a hug conversations, it's just like actually talking through substance conversations. Whereas otherwise, I know, I, and I find myself, you know, social media comes down to a lot of wanting to know what's going on, liking to keep up to date, liking, liking to feel relevant, um, you know, particularly as we're doing what we're doing. I need to stick to social media because people just keep coming out with questions at the front and centre. And there's also a lot of people who just need it to engage and provide that digital community and that support. But when there's so much content coming at you, um, you know, we sort of default to also using it as our immediate conversation pieces, you know, especially if it's something new and relevant, you know, immediately when you meet with someone that it's something you might be able to converse to as opposed to that actual deep, hey, like what's actually going on in your life? <laughs> yeah, How are you feeling? What's happening? We constantly keep having these surface deviations surface level conversations and if we don't get any deeper than that then we're not actually going through any form of decompression we're not actually going through any form of getting things off your chest and it has to then come to the part where people you know, start to build that up to such a point where they just then lead with it you know they start carrying that um, trauma around with them some people you know whether you want to hear it or not will just start hitting you with it and it's a, it's a difficult balance to be in but uh, breaking the cycle like you've done <laughs> is something that's very enviable at the moment.
1: I think it also it shows our laziness of a, of sense of self because I one of my actual drivers to do this was because I was finding that I was losing my own authentic voice. Like I didn't know my stance in things because I was too busy listening and taking in and being overwhelmed with what everyone else was telling me I needed to do and listen to and believe and act. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't even know where I stand right now. Like I've lost my voice that much in my center that I need to somehow figure that out. And for me it was to well, stop the influx of the external things that's coming at me and start going and listening. And yeah, so I think it, 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 we become lazy. We become lazy with our, sen- with our sense of self. And I know you speak about sense of self a lot. And I don't know if you have found um because I know the the pros of social media is that we can use them in, as a really effective marketing tool and get letting your voice be heard. Yeah. But I don't know if you found it being a, a, something that's interfered with your sense of self.
0: I think I really appreciate those who take the time to write messages on social media and provide constructive opinions. Like I have definitely had many of my opinions on some topics shaped by others who have reached out and taken the time to communicate effectively with me on social media. So many... Um, <laughs> this is the fantastic thing about opinions. You know, one of my favorite sayings at the moment is I care about you, but I don't care about your opinion of me because what were you saying beforehand? You know, it's none of my business. Like what you think about me is none of my business. Like if I know you and I know that you know who I am and where I've come, not where I come from, who I am and what I stand for. And you come to me with an opinion saying, Hey, like you're not living your values. You're not doing this. And I will shut up and listen because there is, you know, you know me and, You know, that's what I need in my life. But for someone to, you know, who I've never met before in my life to all of a sudden say, oh, you're in it for this, you're doing this, you're doing this. It's like, cool. You know, I will happily fight for your opinion, but I don't have to listen to it. And this is the best thing, even on my social media now. Like if I don't like a comment on my social media, I'll delete it. If I don't like someone who keeps commenting on things, I'll restrict or I'll block you. It's my social media. That is my space. I go to my social media and I have some amazing conversations with people who will be directly opposed to something that I've said. And will take the time to explain it to me and will actually shape my opinion to be broader, to understand, or will reaffirm that I don't agree with that opinion. It is that place at the moment we can connect and have these opinions. But what it is also at the moment is for so many people to unleash whatever resentment or anger or animosity they have in there. And as you and I know from the last year of doing this, there's so much trauma out there and the trauma is just growing because people are angry. People are resentful. People are not happy with what they don't have and being told what they should have. And there are wrong decisions and wrong demonstrations of toxic leadership happening left, right and centre. And that's all getting poured into the pond and we're all the fish in the pond and you know, we start consuming that. And the, the tree produces the roots from the soil that... It's, the tree produces the fruit from the soil that was roots, roots are cast and at the moment it's just toxicity everywhere. And as I was saying beforehand, Sam, when we talk about even politics, our whole system set up that one side of the politics says this, the other side of the politics says this. That's the Westminster system. The opposition's meant to oppose to that. Nah, let's break that. I've had enough. I've had enough of it's this side or it's this side. So many of these conversations on social media, it's like, it's this, it's this. It's like, they're the bookends. Mm. There's a whole library in between.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's not about compromise. It's about coming together off both your pedestals and finding the best plan that supports the most amount of people. You've been the one to tell me you're never going to be able to please everyone. It's not about pleasing everyone. It's about finding why you're doing what you're doing and being able to communicate the purpose behind that. And all those people who don't still agree with it but understand why you're doing it will at least be able to move forward informed as opposed to what you see at the moment. How many, how many decisions are explained? How many decisions mm. of politicians or politics are explained at the moment?
1: But also what that's doing is driving us to not be able to have conversations where we oppose an opinion and all of a sudden you go, cool, I'm going to unfriend you because you feel you like apples and I don't. And because so, we see it as
0: conflict. Yeah. We see it as conflict and we see it as comparison, remember? Mm-hmm. This is coming back to this toxic competitiveness. You have your opinion, I have mine. Straight away I'm comparing my opinion to yours as opposed to, no, this is my opinion because this is what I believe in. And if I'm trying to be the best in my opinion and what I do, I definitely need to listen to those opinions. Or if I know what I'm doing, crack on with it. You know, you still need to always be able to listen and learn, but it's it doesn't have to be opinions up against each other. If they are up against each other, it's like, what's the purpose? Like, is there something that has to be achieved in order for them to come into conflict? Or is the world going to keep spinning and the decision going to be made regardless of something else? Can we contribute our collaborative opinions towards what's going on there's just not purpose and i just see also there's a lot of people with time on their hands so conflict is usually one of the first places we go to and where is social media i mean you you see the positive social media go and follow some of those motivation sites and things like that and mm-hmm. people who lift up and support each other and just see the positivity that can be out there but i feel there's just so much anger that is coming from this fear and frustration and people feeling like they're being controlled and being combative and being told what to do that is now perpetuating into, and particularly, the online community. Whereas when you get out and about and you talk with people and you take the time to smile and look at people's eyes and say, hey, good day," and take your dog for a walk, it doesn't take much to bring people out of um, whatever's going on inside their head and to feel that value and to feel valued. And that's why... As you know, what we're trying to do a whole lot more is, you know, I will look to invest so much more in just community activities to getting people together. We just have to get away from the computer screens, away from the TVs and get together and collaborate as communities as opposed to have conflict as individuals.
1: Yeah. I want to, like, go back to the politics theme. My personal opinion is that it's very nuanced and complex politics in general. However, I also believe that if we looked to our leaders of the country – and they were demonstrating what you mentioned before of you know, accountability and um, collaborative and unity and all of these things that we we wanna demonstrate and we would like to see and you'd be in school and go, I look up to that person. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I think we've agreed on of the new generations to come, like how can we inspire them to look up to our leaders of the country? And so I think that's important. So my question is, why avp like let's talk about that like what what is that kind of here to do and yeah
0: yeah. well identity comes from values you know being aligned and understanding your values and then applying those to everything you do for the right purpose is the bedrock of personal professional and collaborative success so so much of what you're talking about even at school you know um looking up to and aspiring to politicians and politics and even where we're going as a nation, um, this has been the incremental growth in my own mindset, my own experience, being my own sense of self, my own identity and the veteran identity and the veteran community. And so many of the issues we have with individuals losing their identity within the veteran communities. because what is our identity as a veteran community? It's so fractured and broken and different. It's getting so much better. But, you know, even with the release of that, Australian Institute of Health and Welfare report just the other week, it showed that the highest rate of veterans that are taking their own lives are those who haven't even served a year within the military and are medically discharged. And I'm not a qualified anything, but I know, working with you over this last year, that I believe I know why that is, and that's coming from that loss of identity piece. It's coming from those who, like myself, joined the military for a career and for a life, not for a part-time job, and have affixed so much of their personal value and self-worth to becoming that identity that was them in a uniform, whatever service that was. And then when that is removed from you through actions outside of your control, such as medically, you know, with less than a year's service, no matter what DVA says, you know, I've served a year, and a day in a uniform, therefore from a veteran. You do not feel like a veteran because you haven't yet achieved what you wanted to it's been removed from you you've been medically separated which still has a stigma around it so not only have you lost your own identity you don't identify with the identity of the group that you've always aspired to and you're cast back out into a society that doesn't hold those values that you have aspired to for so long in your life to be the professional and best version of you for so long you know this identity crisis is real and is dangerous. And then why politics? Because what is our national identity? Before we keep trying to fix everyone's individual identity, while we try and keep trying to help people to realise their own individual identity and try and fix some of these community identities, if we don't have the top-level identity, and that is of our biggest community, and that is of our nation, set in stone for people to aspire to, then what hope do we have to be able to set that precedence for others? between for people to belong and look up to and see a part of themselves in that vision that is that and those values of our country in the military we have this thing called mission nesting you know like the battalion will get this job that they are to you know liberate these people from this town and the company's job is to particularly focus on this area of that town and the platoon's job is to focus on this corner of this area of this town you know The whole purpose is always to liberate the people of this town, but the task is broken down at each and every individual level. But you understand, if all of those tasks go to poo and you're stuck there on target, you're all there in order to liberate that town and those people. That is this higher purpose piece. You know, one of my favourite quotes is, if you want a higher performance, you need a higher purpose. And if we haven't even identified what the identity of our nation is based on what our values are, What chance do we have to be able to provide a mindset and let alone actions that are not just governed by individual policies when we hit times of chaos, when we hit times of pandemic, when we hit times of change and we don't have the accountability of an election to hold our officials to task? So the large part from this was doing that research into what are our Australian values, and we have an Australian value statement. You go to the Department of Home Affairs website, there is the Australian value statement, and every single person who is applying for a visa or citizenship into our country has to, has to literally tick and sign that they agree to these values. And they include respect for the freedoms of the individuals, equality of opportunity, regardless of race, gender, sexuality or anything else looking after those, uh, being empathetic for those um, who are suffering. There's a whole list of them there, and I just started to look at this, and I went back to a place whereby, particularly when I got out of the military and did a little bit of consulting or a bit of the speaking at corporates, so many of the, jo- the issues they had came from culture. And, va- and culture is based on values. Leaders align people with purpose. And the fibres that join between a culture, that is how people do what they do. And a large part of that comes down to why they do it. So many of these big businesses, be they big legal firms, big accounting firms, whatever they were, were were achieving amazing performance, you know, making so much money. The people right at the top were very happy. But what was happening was they were becoming increasingly full of people problems. And what it came down to was the fact that most of these big corporations, particularly corporations that were no longer run by the founder, they were run by you know, their board of directors or whatever, they maintained two cultures. They maintained the client-facing culture, the culture that we expect to achieve, billable hours, our customer service, our social media, our branding, our messaging. And then when you go into the organisation – The other culture was the culture that basically whipped everyone else into a line to make sure they were focusing on achieving those outcomes as opposed to appreciating and understanding those individuals that were putting in that work and making them feel appreciated and valued. And you go into any business that usually still has the founder or the person who started the business in there and it's succeeding because that person has gone up through and that business is usually – their personal culture is based on their personal values and they're usually applying leadership to bring people into that fabric and fibre that is that culture. And so when I looked at those, that value statement that we expect others visiting our country to abide by and then I looked everywhere around me at the moment and saw everything from this lack of accountability, this lack of equality based on anything other than judging books by their covers and looking to be competitive and comparative to provide equality and opportunity through to this complete lack of respect for individuals. You know me, I'm double vaccinated and I am pro-choice in everything. Be that abortion, be that vaccine, be that voluntary euthanasia for the right reasons. Like, If you are adult enough to make a decision and you have the right people around you and we have the right systems in place to make sure that you have all the information you need to make your adult decision, that is why we live in this beautiful country called Australia. That is why we celebrate and fight for democracy. That is why five generations of my family have fought in every single war that this country has been in. And that's where I just got to the point of I refuse to live and I can't live surrounded by this hypocrisy whereby we expect those who want to come to our country, the land of the free, and sign this value statement. Yet we do not practice what we preach. Those in politics in Parliament do not practice what we preach. We completely contradict that statement. And then I go back and I look at the Constitution, you know. Because in the military, you know, when the plan, when the when the mission fails or when something breaks, you go back and you have a look at the plan. You conduct an after activity review and you conduct a critical review of what went wrong in the planning what went wrong in the initial guidance, what went wrong anywhere uh, to provide the outcome that was a failure. And when I go back and I read the constitution and the prime minister isn't even acknowledging the constitution, you know, it's the governor general and it's the governors and, you know, there's federation and all of this, but when we don't have a solid document that is a clearly articulated plan of at least commander's intent with parameters and rights and responsibilities then no wonder the plan fails, particularly when we then don't apply any form of accountability. Like even in the constitution, quarantining is a federal, so a national responsibility. So our entire country should have a federal quarantining system. And you've heard me say this for nearly 18 months now on my own social media. But even as we have these state borders refusing to open, the government should be able to step in and say, hey, look, the quarantine zone is now Australia. It's not state by state. This is what we're going to do. When there's no accountability, when there's no leadership, when there's not a plan that is actually relevant to today's day and date, when all of these things start to line up, and furthermore, we're asking our people, we're not asking our people to identify with these set of values we're asking anyone else visiting our country to do, you're just like, oh my goodness, like this is enough. So Uh, this.
1: I didn't even know we had values.
0: I know, (laughs) that's the crazy part. Like everyone tries to say, you know, right to a fair go. Like, what's a fair go? You know, you've seen it yourself, Sam, that we're in this terrible situation whereby, you know, I love being able to help people. And, you know, we've had people reaching out trying to get across borders. We have people reaching out who are going to be kicked out of their houses by DHA, this, that, and the other. And all it takes is sending an email to the right person, to the right minister, or linking in with someone who knows someone. But there aren't people who know that. There are people who are sitting there and, you know, families stuck across the border trying to see their father with prostate cancer you know, who are going through the system line by line and be rejected, but we can link them straight into someone else who can just bypass the system and get them over there. Like, that's wrong. Mm. This is what happens when you maintain authoritative control at the top level and don't enable initiative and common sense and practical thinking on the ground. So the whole politics piece, as you know, Sam, is just, you know... It may seem like a small venture, but if there's one thing we achieve right, it's getting people to go back to thinking about what our values are and to identify with them and drawing upon our politicians to identify, connect and demonstrate those. And the best part has been, as you saw, within the first two weeks, we had 2,500 people join our party. And we would have had so many more with people asking, you know, what are your policies, what are your stance, what are your left wing and right wing? And that's part of this education process. It's like, no, we are practical and pragmatic There is no left-wing, right-wing. There is right and there is wrong. And these are our values. And come election time, when everyone is going to be providing what they call pork-barrel policy, so promises for this, that and the other to sway people's vote, my stance is let's get the right people who have lived experience in leadership, responsibility, planning, teamwork, who have actually lived outside of university or a political party who have their own board of advisors who are like me my mum who's a nurse my stepdad who's a coal miner my dad who's a farmer my sister who works in retail and is a uni student her boyfriend who is a sparky my niece who is amazing is in the NDI system in her wheelchair you know my nephew who's in high school people like you Sam who are there as our advisors. On real life and can actually take that forward and be motivated by doing the right decision for the Australian people not for any company ties they have any party promises they have the opinions of others who are swayed by commercial gain as opposed to community connection and the outputs that are our collective performance so you know, we would have had so many more people if we had policies, and we will develop policies just to help people understand the way we want to think about things. But I just am trying at the moment to battle this system where so many people are already so conditioned to expect you to operate this way or this way or this way. And this is the inner commander. I find
1: that so interesting anyway because there's so much broken trust in people. People want certainty. Yeah, but there's broken trust in, in the government in general, right? Like we struggle to trust that they're going to follow through and do what they're going to do because often they don't. And so what difference does it make if someone goes, this is my policy and this is vote me in because I'm going to do X, Y, Z. When, like you like you said, we change, like things change. We need to... I love, I love what you said at the beginning of when we had this discussion of like... Like, let's all sit around a table and bring everything to the table and, and, then, and then weigh up what is best for the people with where they're at today and what they need.
0: Absolutely. Like, and what
1: they want. And well, I think, yeah. The, the d- election
0: for me should be about picking the right people mm. with that lived experience and with that mindset of service, that mindset and heart of service to then go into politics. And whoever is then voted into politics, get around a table and start developing policies that are buy, try, buy, and multi party policies multilateral what is it, buy, try, and multi-partisan policies that are going to survive the next election cycle. You know, make sure that you don't just save it for debate across the parliament floor. Like, get into those party rooms and planning rooms and get everyone in there and, and do group planning, do staff planning, do exactly what we, you know, require our military to do in the most high-level circumstances, yet we don't do for practising and putting together policies and law for our country. Yeah, that's wild. You know, so as. Otherwise, all we're going to keep doing is voting one government in, having a set of policies for three years, voting another government in, having a new set of policies for three years. We're going to keep doing this. Step forward, step back, step forward, step back. And particularly in the political climate where there are other countries who are planning ahead in dynasties, (laughs) who are looking to achieve innovations beyond, you know, 100-year marks, and we are chasing our tails and ripping ourselves apart, uh, you know, over a pandemic and over the next election piece. Like it's just, it's it's very hard to sit on the sideline and watch knowing what I've lived through in my military career and have seen people achieve within all forms of real life uncertainty, knowing that when it comes from a baseline of personal values, collective values, teamwork, Mm. and understanding that you're there to achieve a mission, that is in service and support of others what can be achieved you know regardless of what you hit along the way
1: yeah and as you know with what i'm inspired by in life imagine if we just did that as a lead like leaders of the world that then inspired people to do that in, our, in their life and i often talk about the macro micro scale like on a macro level you're impacting the country and you know how we live but on a micro level you're impacting families in the way that they live and you're, you're influencing humans in the way that they show up and I just think that's incredible. So imagine if you could do that with the new generations to come simply by showing it and walking the talk and practising what you
0: preach. Yeah, absolutely. If nothing else, you know, if we don't get a single person voted into um, parliament or the senate, the legacy of this next four, five, six months is going to be putting forward people who demonstrate leadership putting forward people who any australian can watch and see how they do what they do uh, and understand the reasons why they do it and to see that there is a difference and to expect better from everyone Mm. but to expect the best from those that we choose to be our leaders in politics because if we are not going to cast our vote with the expectation of trying to pick the best the best for ourselves, then we're choosing not to pick the best for the future generation. And, you know, I, I say that knowing that I'm probably never going to have kids personally, but I have a nephew and I have a niece and everything I sort of do always goes back to that fat, unhappy, bullied Heston at high school and just imagining if I had something to look forward to at that aspirational level that was able to really, you know, be a position and a place to bring about change. And that's not change, you know, changing the world, but that's change and changing the way in which we see ourselves and what we should expect from ourselves and from others, uh, just simply through trying to be the best in who we are and what we do. Mm -hmm. Wow. Anyway.
1: Is there anything else that you want to add on to Australian Values Party while we're, like, on the topic? Because no, I mean, we're really we, we've opened
0: it up. I mean, as I am saying, it's been pretty incredible without even putting a policy out or any of that. And, again, you know, if you want to just keep asking for policies, we'll definitely put some out um, to help some, some capstone um, conversations with regards to the different areas of government responsibility. But um, for me, you know, let's all get around the table and put every policy on the table once people have voted into parliament. But what we've already got, we've already got about 185 applications for people who want to be candidates, which is absolutely mind-blowing. But again, it's great to see so many people who are ignited at the moment and want to bring about change. And we're going to go through you know a really stringent process of screening, selection, training and development, which has to be ongoing. Again, the biggest thing the Australian Values Party is going to be is an organisation that is accountable and responsible for its people. And that's going to be from who and how we select our people through to ongoing requirements and one of our first policies is actually a behavioural policy for candidates and for political members and their staff which includes drug and alcohol testing and a whole bunch of different things but uh, it's really going to come down to what we can uh, afford as far as campaigning goes and who are the right people to put forward as campaigning and um, at the moment we have our website in development it's going to be australianvalues.org.au but in the meantime What we can do is we have the email um, newsletter update, yeah, that we can send to hestonrussell dot com. Yeah, join
1: the join the mailing list with Heston Russell, and you'll get all the updates. Um, And also, I don't want to undermine what you're doing in the background because as much as it's a, we're not going to do the whole policy thing, we're actually going to do a lot of cool stuff in the background that people haven't probably seen yet. Um, And that's from taking them on the journey of the selection course and, and, and what you're doing to build these leaders and to grow this team. And everyone I've had the conversation with around that's what we're doing is so like, what? Like, that's amazing. And they want to know more and they're intrigued and, you know, it's doing it in in a different way from the beginning. And I think that's, for I love being part of that. So for people who want to be on that journey, go to hestonrussell.com now because you can um, subscribe to the mailing list and and find out all the the info.
0: I guess that's the stuff I sort of take for granted. I mean, again, you know. Every year that I was in Two Commando, I supported the selection course and then my last position there at SFTC was running the selection course. And again, it was just the way in which you did things. (laughs) Uh, You know, there's even, you know, interviewing people to come and work for us and whatever, you know, you put them through deliberate training which has to be like testing their emotional intelligence, putting them through scenarios, seeing how they interact with others, testing their planning abilities. I just don't understand how you can, you know, just simply have picking people based on, how sellable they are to the public right. when all of a sudden after the, the campaign is won you know you, you need the people to roll up their sleeves get into a room and start planning and providing the best plans because our nation depends on it yeah so it's good to have people like you sam who help to remind me like this apparently is it normal stuff but, no you know, and
1: you know uh, i'm not from i'm not a veteran myself but i'm so like it's maybe the most enticing thing that you you ever speak about like i just like want to read more i want to know more i want to understand more i want to be part of it because it digs into like not just your resume and your cv it's psychological it's physical it's your mm. behavioral it's so interesting and i think people need to be able to um, a love watching it from the from the outskirts because so, it's uncomfortable if they're doing it themselves but b then get a little bit more comfortable with looking at that stuff for themselves as well but no i just think it's fascinating well that's
0: part of this education process is to helping people re- realize that they do they should expect better and also how to look to achieve better um, you know personally and professionally so yeah it's gonna be quite the journey we'll have some fun but yeah hestonrussell.com you're right at the moment i don't know when this podcast goes out or if you're listening to this after a couple of weeks time uh, we should have the learning site up for australian values.org.au but until then go to hestonrussell.com and you'll see it all over our social media as well boom cool all right Well, Sam, thank you for being part of this first official Heston Russell podcast series. We'll try and do more of these to just keep updating and having these conversations. I think it's much easier for us to control our own content as opposed to relying on, you know, media and little sound grabs here and there. And particularly as we start looking further forward on the political side. And I think I have to say that this podcast is authorised by Heston Russell for the hopefully future Australian Values Party based in Brisbane
1: can you say it really fast in a deep voice?
0: <laughs> Authorised by Heston Russell for the Australian Values Party, <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> oh You've been practising. We have fun. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Well, peace out. Catch you next time. Thanks for coming. See ya. See you. Ya. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like to listen to more, you can find it on any of your streaming services. Simply look for Heston Russell Podcast. Otherwise, head to HestonRussell.com and select the podcast tab to listen to more episodes. You can also watch this podcast via my YouTube, Heston Russell, and always feel free to reach out to myself or any of the team by sending an email with your feedback to hello at HestonRussell.com. Otherwise, you can follow me on my social media, primarily Instagram at Heston Russell. Otherwise, thanks again for listening, and I'm looking forward to bringing you the next episode of the Heston Russell podcast. See you then.